what a tremendous song to speak of his glory to come, that there is going to be an end. There is a true advent to, uh, may I say, a Christmas to come when the very gift of God that was given to us that we celebrate at Christmas, we're going to see face to face and there's going to be a day when life is going to make complete sense and that we're going to look at our Savior and we're going to be fully known, which we are, but we're also going to fully know. And every transition, every thought, everything in our life is going to make beautiful sense. You see, that's the, that's the reason why uh, the church fathers, uh, years, centuries ago, began to have an advent. That there was a cultural Christmas. Now, we can debate on should they have made it and the, the date and all that. But in the 21st century, I personally am profoundly grateful for that which has become a, a cultural Christmas. Oh, all the trappings, all the things we would not dis, that we would disagree with. You know, is it is it all right to hear baby? It's cold outside. You know, all the controversies of our day. Um, to really have a season to where we look forward to Christmas. Oh, our culture says, you know, our Christmas is the 25th of December. But what he desires for us is to truly remember that which is the truth about the, the God-man. We have two Gospels that speak of the narrative, uh, the real kind of the, the, the narrative of the Christmas story, Luke and Matthew. And what I'd like to do is just read uh, a few verses from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, to kind of jumpstart our thoughts this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It'll be on the screen, but I'd love for you to be looking at your own word so that it penetrates not only your heart, but also your mind. Uh, Matthew writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Words we've heard, words we've seen in Christmas cards, these words, right? These words that we see. My prayer for us is that with all of the, with all of the service that we will do in this season and all the celebration and really all of the life that is surrounding the time of the holidays, that we truly in our hearts and minds truly focus on, on Jesus, that we take this gospel message and maybe even Luke and let it absorb our soul enough to know that 
through all of the joy, all of the wonderful trappings, all of the things that are, you know, all the lights and the fighting with the lights and, and, and all of the expectations and how do we budget it and all of the living that is around what we call the cultural Christmas, that the Christ-centered Christmas would, would really penetrate our hearts and our minds. You see, my family's not here today because this is ballet weekend. <laughs> And all the months of ballet, five days a week, is all culminating on this weekend. And we're proud. And we celebrate. And we dress up. And we get all excited, right? And the ballet lifts us to Christ and helps us remind us. We see Matthew, in recording his gospel, he's very strategic um, he gives us a lot of the Jewish context, a lot of the Old Testament context to, uh, to Jesus' life and birth. You'll see the first part of chapter 1 is the genealogy. And in the genealogy, you see that, that this, this God-man that was born through Mary truly had a lineage. It's not just something that was made up, and Matthew desired to give that proof through his gospel that this is not just a made-up story. This is not like the stories that you've heard through mythology or whatever that the God-man or the God-like creature or the, you know, the animal man, mythological God. No, this is a true flesh and blood story. You see, because the, the one word that I want to focus on today is Emmanuel. The prophet said that you will give birth and you are to call him Emmanuel. And then you'll see this little parenthetical, right? A little parenthetical statement. That's where Matthew, the writer of the gospel, comes back in and says, basically it takes three words to, to really understand the meaning of this one word. Three English for one, for, you know, three Greek for one Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. And through the entirety of Matthew's gospel and then any of the apologetic, uh, uh, you know, passages in the, in the New Testament, they all defend one thing. Christmas is about service. Isn't it great that even in culture, we don't necessarily have to all be God-centered to be community-centered and we'll do wonderful things. Praise God for that where we all in our hearts of our community desire to feed or clothe and do that which we're supposed to do every day of our lives. But in this season, it, it, it even takes culture. And isn't it wonderful to celebrate, man, the family celebrations and all of that stuff. I mean, it's wonderful. Those, those are it's such, it's such, it's awesome. I love it. And then just the living that comes out of Christmas, the gratefulness and, you know, the, the, the all that life that comes. But the Gospels would teach us and the Gospels would remind us that really this Christmas has only really been about one thing. Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God. Jesus is God with us. And Jesus is God with us. Pretty amazing. Jesus is God. You see, if you still are debating in your mind the, the God-man, the story, 
I would say just continue to absorb yourself in the richness and the understanding of the Gospels. The Gospels are not just a nice story that you can print in a book and you can read to your children on Christmas Eve or whatever. It is a life-giving story. Gospel is life-giving. Gospel changes things. Gospel says, listen, you are never going to be the same again if you allow yourself to embrace its message because it desires to embrace you. The gospel is life-giving. The gospel is Jesus. God, creator, becomes human. And that's really Christmas. Oh, now we can have our conversations, right? But it's Jesus, the God-man, who comes. Now, the, the difficulty with this is if, if you are not a theist or you, you try to wrap your mind around that part, I, I can't fix you today. I'm just going to trust that the Holy Spirit uh, is going to continue to nudge and prompt you and that you're not here by chance and you're not hearing the gospel message again by chance. And for those of us that have been embraced by and have embraced the gospel message, our life has changed through Christ it's a wonderful understanding that really the reason this is all is that Jesus is God. He is fully who he says he is. You see, when we think of experiencing God, it's, it's a difficult situation because he came onto the scene and he would forgive sins. He came on the scene and he would heal. Now, there were shysters and some, some, you know, some Houdinis in the day, and there were certainly those that came to say they were Messiah. But see, Jesus said he was God, and he worked about proving that he was God through the miracles and through healing. But the biggest one that really shocked the teachers of the day was that he would forgive sins. You see, Lawrence and I could have a conflict and I might get to the place where I've offended Lawrence. And Lawrence says, Tom, I forgive you. Jesus comes onto the scene, comes into our situation, and says, Lawrence, I'm glad you've forgiven Tom, but now I also forgive Tom. Well, Lawrence is like, well, he didn't offend you. He, he offended me. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you've offended if Tom's offended you or you've offended Tom, you've offended me. Jesus comes onto the scene and says, listen, your sin, your anger, your provocations in this life, any of your sin is not just against that person. It's against me. I'm the God. I'm Jesus, God. And so when he began to forgive sins, it, it turned him upside down because Jesus was saying, I am God. Jesus, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So then we have Jesus, God with, with us, with. You see, each of us will have some level of experience of God. Those of us that have confessed Christ and we've been embraced and we embrace the gospel message, we, we certainly understand that there was change and we understand this withness usually through experience and it's, it has a tendency to have some emotionality and some narrative and some story and we've had this experience with God and that's marvelous. 
And what that experience with God tells us is that there's something other. Usually our stories are somewhat dramatic for our narrative. It's somewhat, it's somewhat you know, un, almost unbelievable sometimes. But yet it has become our story because we've had an experience with God. Jesus, God with us, was, was an extra, extraordinary story, right? Think about the Old Testament. When we think of God being with them, uh, let me start with Job. It said that God, Job experienced God as a whirlwind. Any of you Midwesterners ever been near a tornado? Devastation. God is a whirlwind. Abraham, he was a furnace, a smoldering, smoking furnace with lots of heat that traveled. With Abraham, there was no personality, there was no face to see. It was just this consummation of, of experience. Moses, the children of Israel, pillar of fire. We've seen that in drawings and artists' renderings and, and in cinematic. It's, it's dramatic, but we can't even imagine what it would have been like to experience God with this, this, this fiery, this, this pillar of light that would lead. It, it was insurmountable. So what does God do at our Christmas? God, Jesus, with us. All the terror, right? I, look, I read the Old Testament. I was talking to a gentleman between services. He says, man, I've just, for whatever reason, I've been in First and Second Kings. And man, I tell you what, God didn't play no games in First and Second Kings and Chronicles, man. It's just like, boom, boom. Annihilation. Crops and everything, Tom. He's like, I'm trying to, Trying to, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, what does this all mean? Now, he's a gospel believer. He's been embraced by it. And he's embraced it. But here's the story of the difference. God brings an infant. He goes from even the Shekinah glory in the temple when God would reign in the temple. It was Shekinah glory. You can't even express that it's white, hot, blue, hot. It's, it, you can't even explain the glory of the Shekinah glory of God in the temple. And all of that now, all the, what the angels rejoiced, what the, all the angels, the heavens were lit up saying, there is an infant, there's a baby, there's a terror. Oh, that's, pre, that's preschool. That's preschool age, sorry. There's an infant. Now, I know some of us guys, we, it may be ladies, but I'm going to pick on us guys. We, we don't quite know what to do with the babies. Never forget my dad, grandpa, loved his grandbabies, but man, when it came to them babies, he's like, I don't know. And my dad, this strong guy, hold freight all his life, was afraid, he was terrified of an infant. I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't you know. That's what he, that's, he, what, that's my, that's Ernie Caffrey right there. Ready? Okay. Oh, yeah. You know. Bless you, Dad, right? <laughs> he didn't know what to do with the infant. 
But for most of us, an infant is approachable. It's like, oh, let me, let me, yeah, yeah, let me, let me hold him or her close. Think of that. The God who represents massive terror terrorizes us with an infant and says, embrace him. You see, we've heard sometimes the stories over and over again. Maybe some in your spirit right now, in your soul right now. It's not like you're, you're, you're bummed out or anything. You're just numb. It's just another Christmas. It's just another season. It's just another deal. I'm going to suggest to you that the Advent season leads us to letting us know that December 25th on our cultural calendar is just a reminder for our souls to just be fully engaged with one who is approachable. One who was once unapproachable becomes approachable in an infant, in a child. And then your first and second and first and second Kings and Chronicles can make sense. The very God who was terrifying because of his holiness, who only put up with so much stuff, can make so much sense now in an infant. <coughs> because the gospel, <coughs> because the gospel teaches us <coughs> that this infant grew to be a man and that everything we deserve Everything we deserve right now. Everything that we try to please him with, which is, Paul called it garbage. Everything <coughs> was now put on this man, God, with us. The very wrath of God on the cross everything that we deserve, all the annihilation, even to the level of the crops, swept away. Everything that we deserve, as much as we think we're good, as much as we think we're okay. Friend, if you've not embraced him, I've just got to bring one, three little word, letter word, sin. Sin that separates us from God, that deserves wrath down to the level of the crops being annihilated, was put on his son. And so when we celebrate God with, it's a whole different experience because God not only in his sensitivity and his gentleness brought himself to us so that we might be embraced. <laughs> Servant of God right there, plus a marvelous singer. Okay. We cannot overstate the fact that the one who now is approachable was the one who took our wrath, took what we deserve. And by dying on a cross, it gives Christmas so much more meaning. And through his powerful resurrection, that just meant that the, done was, the deal was done, and that there's a guarantee for our future. But he says, God with. Ex not just experience. Not just experience. But be with God. You see, I pray if your soul's a little dry or 
this, this holiday season has just become kind of the same-o, same-o. That through every little gingerbread house you make, through every night of cookies, through every night of anticipation of your little ones or your grandbabies, that that anticipation would be soaked up in your own soul of the anticipation of being with the one forever who's approachable, God with. And then there's God with us, us. I love the narratives. I, I love the Christmas story because who did he go to? What, where did the messengers go to? They went to shepherds and stargazers. You know, blue-collar, hard-working guys and weirdos. That's what Jesus goes to. Okay, now, if you're not, don't consider yourself a weirdo. Don't be offended, okay? I, I've got several t-shirts, okay? But he comes to us, common, everyday folk, who are doing their very best to get the bills paid and raise the kids right and deal with culture and fight with traffic and all of that stuff. You see, we can then normalize ourselves. We can then look at each other and go, man, we're all struggling. We're all failing, but we're also succeeding because we've embraced the one who loves us, the, the approachable one, Jesus, the infant who grew to be a man, took on our wrath. I don't have to no longer be cautious in my belief system. I certainly do not want to be cavalier because it came at a price, but now I can say, God is with us, with me. It's, it's, it's a real deal. And with that, how can I not help but live and, and, and serve like I've never served before with every gift I've got, knowing and understanding my relationship with him, that, that service is not just a cultural act for about 90 days. It's, it's my life. It's who I am. It's, it allows me to just know that that's why I wake up and I breathe. And, and then any celebrating that we do, any, any of the celebration just, just enlivens it. And, you know, there's going to be brokenness and families that I don't feel like putting up with. But when I've been embraced and I've embraced God with us, then maybe I can mature and the Holy Spirit can take me to a different level with people that I just cannot stand. but yet I don't have to go and be phony. I can set the healthy boundaries I need. I can be the gospel in the midst of chaos. You see, because it changes us. When we know that God is with us, then we can celebrate the fact that he's paid the price, he's taken on the wrath, God made himself approachable. I've embraced that, he's embraced me, and now living makes a whole a whole lot of sense in the levels of freedom. I'm no longer held in bondage. I no longer have to be held in bondage to that sin, which is a substitute in an answer. No, he's already substituted for me through his son, but now in living Christmas, in living thankfulness, in living being embraced, I can truly live a life free of sin. Oh, now my resume will always have that sin bent. But the life of the redeemed means I don't have to look for other answers because he's with 
us. My prayer is that we just, if it's kind of normal, and kind of blasé, or if it's celebrative, or if my heart, your heart today, is, eh, I could do without it. I would say that the one that you've embraced longs to speak to your soul. And he desires for you to continue to fall in love with the one who's embraced you. And I pray that through all the tumultuousness, through any of the chaos or the hardship, that, that your soul might experience even a quiet joy that no matter what's going around in the season, that you're still beloved and you're still embraced by God who is with us. With us. Father, thank you for this time in Matthew's gospel. Thank you for God with us. Thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the Spirit, which continues to nudge us and prompt us and to open us to the true reality of the experience of you with us. I pray that each of our hearts and our minds are provoked today, provoked to deeper fellowship with you, moving the barriers that have gotten in the way of being with you. And may each heart, no matter what the context, may each heart be able to celebrate truly who you are. Jesus, thank you for being with us. Amen.